Denver is using its sewage to fight climate change. That story and more on H2O Radio's Weekly News Report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. On Earth Day last week, President Biden signed an executive order aimed at restoring national forests devastated by drought, wildfires, and blight. Federal land managers will first define what constitutes mature and old-growth forests and then inventory them. They'll identify threats including fire and climate change with a goal of ending natural forest loss by 2030. Experts may argue over what counts as a mature tree, with species growing at widely varying rates in different regions, which makes it difficult to agree on a set number of years. Old-growth trees, including redwoods in California, absorb much CO2 and other greenhouse gases that cause global warming. A recent study of national forests in the Northwest showed that just 3% of the largest trees stored more than 40% of the carbon above ground. However, Biden's order does not ban the logging of old growth or mature trees. The day before his announcement, more than 130 climate scientists wrote to the president urging him to protect those forests. Also last week, the Biden administration announced a $6 billion program to help the struggling nuclear power industry as part of its goal to transition to clean energy by 2035. The U.S. has the most nuclear power plants in the world, but the industry has had difficulty competing with cheaper alternatives like natural gas and the falling cost of renewables such as wind and solar. Twelve U.S. nuclear power reactors have permanently closed since 2012, and another seven retirements have been announced. But the Biden administration wants to prevent premature closures, saying nuclear is a zero-emission clean energy source and vital in combating climate change. The industry already supplies 50% of low-carbon energy in the U.S., and if plants were decommissioned, they warn they would likely be replaced with fossil fuels. Nuclear energy is not without environmental risks. There are emissions associated with the continuous mining and refining of uranium needed for the plants. Also, the process generates dangerous radioactive waste, which needs to be safely stored, and if leaked, could damage water supplies and ecosystems. Given that many of these facilities were built over 30 to 50 years ago, there's a risk of meltdowns. But proponents say we must decarbonize as fast as possible, adding that nuclear power is reliable and operates whether the sun is shining or the wind is blowing. Even some environmental groups have called nuclear the lesser of two evils, as we move away from fossil fuels, adding that it could help meet energy needs while we transition fully to clean sources. Native bees are essential pollinators for many crops we depend on, such as berries, apples, cherries, and beans. While European honeybees attract much attention, there are hundreds of other species which are also crucial. But climate change is leading to declines of some species while increasing populations of others. New research examined over 150 species of bees in the Rocky Mountains and found that larger ones like bumblebees are not adapting as well to global warming warming compared to smaller ones. The authors said their findings suggest smaller and solitary bee communities will grow as others decline because of climate-induced changes
changes in temperature, snowpack, and summer precipitation. Bumblebees, which are larger and live in hives above the ground, are the dominant pollinators in many ecosystems and don't tolerate hotter temperatures as well as other species. It's possible the increase in smaller bee populations could offset the decline of bumblebees, but the lead author said it's only speculation at this time. She said planting a variety of native plants that are heat or drought tolerant will provide food for bees as temperatures continue to increase. And finally, Unbeknownst to residents of Denver, Colorado, the hot water they send down the drain from showering, doing dishes, or washing clothes will now help heat and cool a development on the north side of the city. The National Western Center is a remodel of the National Western Stock Show and Rodeo Campus into a hub for art, education, and agriculture, and last week it launched the largest wastewater heat recovery system in the country. As sewer water travels along a pipe, it maintains a relatively constant temperature all year round. In the new National Western System, a heat pump captures the warmth of wastewater and transfers that energy to a clean water distribution pipe that powers heating and cooling equipment in the buildings. It's a closed loop system, so the wastewater never touches the clean water and eventually flows back into the sewer. And in case you're wondering, no, you can't smell any odors. The National Western Center will source nearly 90% of its heating and cooling from the system rather than burning fossil fuels. They estimate they'll avoid releasing around 2,600 metric tons of carbon per year into the atmosphere. That's the equivalent of eliminating nearly 7 million vehicle passenger miles driven in Denver annually, resulting in better air quality and health for the surrounding neighborhoods. That's it for This Week in Water. Support comes from GC Green, a veteran, woman, and Native American-owned clean energy and resiliency solutions company. Learn more at gcgreen.com.